Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor. There. He is. Right. He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers oil for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. You know, having the MLB trade deadline close to now, not on my birthday, but close to my birthday, is a blessing and a curse because the trade deadline is usually exciting, but this year, as a Cubs fan, it was painful. Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Javier Baez are gone. Craig Kimbrell is gone. If you care, Trevor Williams and Jake Marisnik are also gone. Jack Peterson been gone. A lot going on on the north side as they enter cell mode and a rebuild. Welcome into the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm your host, Nick Schultz. So great to be back with you for another week. I wish I was in a better mood, better mindset about the Cubs, but I'm not because it's an end of an era as we know it. As I just said, Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, all gone. The core is gone. Basically, the only one left, well, the only ones left are Wilson Contreras and Jason Hayward. It's been a rough weekend. You know, looking at these trades, and they were one after another on Friday, right before the 3 o'clock deadline. 3 o'clock Central Time, obviously. They were one after another, and you didn't really have time to process after one went through because another one was coming through. They weren't all bad trades. Let me be perfectly clear. They were not all bad trades. I'm going to go through each one, tell you what I like, tell you what I don't like. If you want to chime in on the conversation, slide into my DMs, shoot me a tweet, whatever. We also had some breaking Blackhawks news shortly before I came on the air. We'll talk about that as well later on. But we're talking baseball to lead off. Russ Dorsey at the Chicago Sun-Times tweeted yesterday, the last time, let me rephrase, the last day the Cubs did not have Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, or Javier Baez on the roster was June 25th, 2012. To give you an idea... I was not even in high school yet. I had just finished 8th grade. It's been 10 years of having at least one of those guys on the roster. 
I vividly remember the Anthony Rizzo trade when the Cubs traded Andrew Cashner to San Diego for Anthony Rizzo. And I remember at the time thinking this guy's going to be good. I had people, you know, this little eighth grader going into freshman year of high school sitting there going, yeah, this kid's going to be good. Everyone laughed at me like, okay, whatever you say. I drafted him in fantasy baseball that year. He was the beacon of hope. And look what he turned into. Fan favorite, all-star, captain. There's a reason he was my favorite player. I think that's the one that hurt the most from a fandom standpoint because I sat on these airwaves and I didn't think Rizzo was going to go. I told you that a couple weeks ago. I didn't think Anthony Rizzo was going to get traded. And he was the first one to go. I was driving to work. I had just gotten my coffee because I start my shift at 6 o'clock and I go until 1.30 in the morning. So I got another cup of coffee. I'm driving, and I'm in the drive-thru when I hear not breaking news, but breaking news. That was from ESPN 1000. Chris Black, the producer, chimed in, and it cut out because I was in the drive-thru, and there was interference. And then I got the alert that Rizzo was going to the Yankees. That was the one that stung the most. And, I mean, I didn't mind the haul they got for him, a number 9 prospect, a number 12 prospect in the Yankees system. Not bad. But still, it's very reminiscent to me, and I feel like it's kind of apples and oranges. I was a big Derek Lee fan back in the day, and I remember when he got traded too, and that one hurt. When he got traded to the Braves, that one hurt. This one hurt. Just as much, if not... Actually, no, it hurt more. I'll just say that. Because the image that rings out in my head is Rizzo getting the final out from Chris Bryant, who is also traded, and celebrating the World Series in Game 7. That one sucked the other day. Finding out Anthony Rizzo got traded. And then the next day, we weren't sure what was going to happen. You know, you've heard rumors all year about Chris Bryant. Well, he was the last one to go at like 2.45, 15 minutes till the deadline. I really didn't think the Cubs were going to move Javi Baez until I heard him come out and say he wanted to play with Francisco Lindor. When I heard that, I'm like, oh, maybe that can happen. It did. He's going to the Mets. Chris Bryant to the Giants. Here's the one that shocked me. You know, we had another trade earlier in the week. Ryan Tapera got traded to the White Sox. And I I was thinking to myself, like, God, I didn't think the Cubs and the White Sox would ever make another trade after the Quintana deal. The Quintana for Jimenez and Cease. And then it comes out on Friday that the Cubs traded Craig Kimbrell to the White Sox. And in return, the Cubs got Nick Madrigal and Cody Hoyer. This is going to be the first one we break down. Because that trade, to me, is a win-win. The White Sox get their setup, man. They now have the two best closers in the game as a one-two punch in the eighth and ninth innings. 
the Cubs get a piece you can build around in Nick Madrigal. I'm a huge Nick Madrigal fan. I always have been. Now you can put Nico Horner at shortstop next year. Even this year once he gets, you know, healthy. And I think Cody Hoyer has a lot of upside. I think he struggled on the south side. Change of scenery might not be the worst thing for him. But that trade is the definition of a win-win. And I was talking to my dad about this. My dad's a White Sox fan. And we were we were talking about it. I, couldn't, I wish I could have had a picture for the look on his face when I told him that Kimbrough was going to the White Sox. We were talking about it. And I've come on this show pretty much every week now saying this. Well, not saying this, but I basically think Tony La is going to win manager of the year. I've told you that. But my dad brought up a good point, and he's probably listening, and I know his his head's growing that much bigger. But he told me, if you had Craig Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks on the north side and David Ross was the manager, that'd be a tough situation because you've got a, basically a rookie manager managing two really good all-star players, two all-star closers. And we don't know how that'd go. Now, on the south side, you've got a Hall of Famer baseball person in Tony La Russa, and I joke about Hall of Famer baseball person. He is a Hall of Famer for a reason. Second best baseball mind today, next to Joe Torre, and Joe Torre's not going back to the dugout. You've got Tony La Russa now, managing... Two all-star closers back-to-back. If I could, I would run and put money on the White Sox to win the World Series. Best bullpen in baseball now. They have to be the clear favorites. Especially once Luis Robert come back. They have to be the clear favorites. So they got their guy. The Cubs got a new second baseman. And I love the comparison to Terry O'Fontenot back in the day. Like, I love that comparison, mainly because you don't hear the riot mentioned much anymore. You don't hear much about Ryan Terry. You certainly don't hear Mike Fontenot. But that's a good comparison because Nico Horner and Nick Madrigal do not hit for power. They don't. But I like they hit for contact. There's a reason... They call Madrigal Nikki two strikes. They play good defense up the middle. I like that combo. That double play combo. I like it a lot. And like I said, I'm a, I'm a big Nick Madrigal fan. I have been since he came up, since they drafted him. I like this trade for both sides. The Rizzo trade again, I don't I don't hate. You know, I said a number nine prospect, a number 12 prospect from the Yankees. I would have liked some major league talent in there. And I believe I said that when I went through who I thought was going to get traded, that you needed to get major league talent. They didn't. They got a couple solid prospects. All right. Fine. That's all right. Javi Baez and Trevor Williams traded to the Mets for number five prospect, Pete Crow Alexander, which sounds like a made-up name. He's a good prospect. He's the number five prospect in the Mets system. I I don't, again, I don't hate it. I like it. I think he could be a good piece going forward. So that trade was okay. Here's the one I hated. 
This one sucked. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You can try telling me it didn't. It sucked. Chris Bryant to the Giants for a number nine prospect in the Giants system and a number 30 prospect in the Giants system. That's all you could get for an MVP. That's all you can get. That price should have started with Joey Bart. Instead, you got a number nine prospect and a number 30 prospect from the Giants. You got to be kidding me. All these rumors all year, Chris Bryant was the one that everybody knew was going to get traded. Now, I will say, the fact that he was the last to go had me thinking, is he going to stick around? That's all you could get for him. You knew you were going to trade him. How were these conversations not more in-depth? What happened? Why? Why did you? Why do you settle for that? I, I want to know an answer from Jed Hoyer. I don't like that one. That's the only one that I don't like at all. If he wasn't having a really good year, if he wasn't former MVP, Rookie of the Year, if he wasn't the most versatile player in baseball, it'd be another story. But with all that, that's the best that you could do. Terrible. Absolutely dreadful. I mean, I don't know if it was, you know, coming up on the deadline and Jed just wanted to move him so he settled or what. But that's ridiculous. Now the Cubs are in full rebuild mode. I saw the Chicago Tribune call it the bizarro world, where five years ago the Cubs were the contenders, the White Sox were rebuilding, now the script is flipped. And these guys can come back feasibly. Well, not Kimbrell. Rizzo, Baez, Bryant, they're all free agents. Which is why that Mets trade, Pete Crow Alexander for a rental in Javi Baez, and I mean, and Trevor Williams, but basically the core of that deal was Javi Baez. The Mets gave up their number five prospect for a rental. I mean, take it. Take it and run. But Javi could come back. Chris Bryant could come back. Anthony Rizzo could come back if they want to. Javi didn't close the door. I don't think Rizzo closed the door. I haven't heard if Chris Bryant addressed it or not. The only one that I could see maybe coming back is Rizzo. And it's wishful thinking. But with all the ties he has to Chicago now, what he does at Lurie's, what he's done for the city, I could see him coming back. It's got to be for the right price. Oh, Mr. Ricketts better, uh, you know, open up his wallet, finally. But I could see Rizzo coming back. Javi's going to want too much money. He's gone. He was gone after this season anyway. With Bryant, I don't know. Either way, though, it is the end of an era. It is a new chapter in Cubs history. It's not going to be pretty. I am fully prepared to just tune in Bears games and watch preseason football for once. But yeah, that was, that was painful Friday. And if you didn't see the video that Marquis got of Chris Bryant getting the call that he was getting traded and breaking down, 
I showed that to my brother, who's a Cardinals fan. And even he, even he almost teared up. Well, I'm exaggerating, but still. He, even he was like, wow. You're not human if you don't get a little emotional watching that. I don't know what's next besides a lot of losing. Hopefully these prospects develop or could turn into good trade chips. That's what this trade deadline was all about for the Cubs. It was about restocking the farm system. That was blood dry. That's what it was all about. I still go back to the Chris Bryant trade should have started. If you're talking to San Francisco, it should have started with Joey Bart. He's their top prospect. Should have started with that. It's going to suck going through a rebuild. And I don't think it's going to be 2012 all over again. I think it's going to be a little different because you have building blocks in place. And that's plural. Because back when the first rebuild started, the only building block you had was Anthony Rizzo. Now, you've got a great middle infield. A great middle infield, in my opinion, of Madrigal and Horner. If you want to build around Wilson Contreras behind the plate, fine. you still got David Bodie. still got Kyle Hendricks. You've got pieces that you can build around. So that makes things a little easier. I don't think it'll take a full five years. I think give it three, maybe four. But I could see three years, the Cubs will be back. But Jed's got to do this right. He absolutely has to do this right. We'll see. Either way, the White Sox are the team to watch. They are all in, man. They got their second baseman in Cesar Hernandez. They got another relief pitcher. They got two more relief pitchers, both from the Cubs and Tapera and Kimbrel. And like I said, Kimbrel's the best closer in the game right now. Hend- Hendricks is probably number two. And now you've got those guys eight nine, and somebody, one of my friends, was telling me that oh, you don't need Craig Kimbrel. With a guy like Kimbrel, who's that good, you don't have to need him. But he just gave you the best bullpen in baseball. If there's a day where Kimbrell comes in in the eighth and he's struggling, actually last night he looked pretty good against Cleveland, but let's say he's struggling. You can bring Hendricks in early. Or if there's a day where you want to throw Hendricks in the eighth, Kimbrell in the ninth, you can do that. You can flip him. Tony La Russa has quite the tool belt right now. And it, they should be the World Series favorites. I, don't, I haven't seen betting odds. I meant to look to see how the odds changed. But in my eyes, the White Sox are the team to beat for the World Series this year. They have been. I mean, I've been predicting the White Sox World Series all year. But now, after the upgrades they made, yeah. I think they're going to win. They got a really good thing going on the south side. 
And if I have to, I'll run as fast as Tony Larusa up to guaranteed rate to watch a game. Find that video, by the way. If you did not see the game the other night where Brayu got hit by the pitch in the ear hole with, of the helmet and Tony Larusa went running out of the dugout, you ran about as fast as I did in high school. Now, keep in mind, I lost Slowman's race in high school and I can't run. And I was joking that that's how I ran in high school. Find that video. It's hysterical. But yeah, the White Sox are in a really good place. The Cubs? Eh. Next couple months are going to be interesting, though. I'll say that. All right, we keep getting updates on this, so I'm going to finally move on to hockey. Cannot believe I'm talking hockey in August. Yes, it's August now. But we've got hockey news. So the Blackhawks committed to a rebuild a couple months back. Duncan Keith is gone. Brent Seabrook is gone. Those pieces from the Stanley Cup teams are going away. So they commit to this rebuild. Now we're into the offseason. You signed Seth Jones to a ridiculous contract. I went off on that last week. Now, you've got a goalie. And not just any goalie. you got Marc-Andre Fleury. And I'm saying this as in you have him because reports are coming out that he's going to play this year. So here's how this all unfolded. I'm on the golf course on Wednesday with my brother. And I get an alert. That the Blackhawks traded for Mark Andre Fleury. And your first thought when you see that the Blackhawks trade for Mark Andre Fleury is what the hell did they give up to get him? Nothing. They got him for nothing except a prospect who might still end up playing in Rockford just under Vegas' rights. You got Mark Andre Fleury for nothing, okay? You follow me. Shortly after reports come out about the trade, rumors then start to flow that he's not going to play this year, he'll retire. Because he wasn't happy with how Vegas treated him, and who can blame him? So he was contemplating retirement. I really thought he would retire. Reports came out probably about half hour ago now that he's going to play this year. And I retweeted it with the quote from the Karate Kid. I'm like, Daniel LaRusso is going to fight. Marc-Andre Fleury is going to play. It's the same energy. So this quote-unquote rebuild. You still got Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. Now you have a top-tier goalie in Marc-Andre Fleury. You've got your defenseman, who you're paying a big amount of money for, in Seth Jones. You've still got Kirby Doc. Are the Blackhawks trying to compete? If they are, somebody needs to tell Stan Bowman that that's not a rebuild. I have no idea what they're doing. And I'm not entirely complaining, let me be clear, because I like Marc-Andre Fleury. How can you not? I'm still going to complain about the Jones contract until he proves me wrong.
but yeah, this is an interesting spot to be in, especially because you're paying Marc-Andre Fleury $7 million bucks. This is an expensive rebuild, Stan. Marc-Andre Fleury is going to play for the Blackhawks this year. Imagine saying that three years ago. Imagine saying the Hawks got Marc-Andre Fleury for nothing. And I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I say nothing. I turned to my brother when I got the alert. I'm like, who did they give up? Did they give up Kane and Tabes for him? They gave up a prospect that I'd never heard of. What a steal. So he's going to play. And Kevin Lankadin is going to learn from one of the best in the game now, which is good. You know, I really thought that the Blackhawks committed to Kevin Lankadin after last year because he's good. The kid's got game. And then they go out and get Flurry, and now he's got somebody to learn from. I got to keep an eye on this. So, the Bulls had the draft this week, obviously. They drafted Io DeSumo. More on that in a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with this. I'm seeing more and more about this rumor, these reports coming out. Because there's more and more, there's smoke, and I think it's going to happen. Free agency starts tomorrow. Wouldn't be surprised if it happens tomorrow. Yesterday, I'm playing a golf outing. Why is why does news always break when I'm on the golf course? Like, I just want to play 18 holes. And instead, there's news breaking while I'm golfing. But anyway, I'm on the golf course yesterday. I played an outing. And I got an alert from Bleacher Report. Jake Fisher reporting that... The Chicago Bulls have mutual interest in a four-year, $80-plus-million-dollar deal with Lonzo Ball. Now, I've been calling for Lonzo for months. I'm talking since January. Well, I just saw this come across my Twitter feed from Bleacher Nation, quoting Chris Haynes at Yahoo Sports. Quote, Sources have informed that it looks like there's going to be a marriage that gets started between Lonzo Ball and the Chicago Bulls, Haynes said on NBA TV's latest episode of Free Agent Fever. It's going to take just a catastrophe of a hiccup for things not to work out with Chicago. It would have to be a sign-and-trade scenario as well to get New Orleans over there in Chicago. But as of right now, sources told me that Chicago looks like there is going to be a marriage that takes place. Free agency starts at 5 o'clock tomorrow. Elias Schuster, who's the Bulls writer Bleacher Nation, says he's going to have his, or he has his tweet notifications on for Adrian Wojnarowski. I will as well. I'm actually going to the lake this week. I'm going to bring my microphone and be prepared to do an emergency podcast because I host Believe in Bulls, remember. I'm going to be ready to do an emergency podcast because I have been calling for Lonzo for literally months. 
I'm talking since I started my podcast in January. This is awesome. I'm all for it. I've done a complete 180 on Lonzo Ball, by the way. If you've listened to the show long enough, and I'm talking how long have I been doing this now? Three years? You know that in 2018, was I was not a fan of Lonzo Ball. I wanted nothing to do with him. I wanted nothing to do with his dad. I did not want him anywhere near the Chicago Bulls. Now he's fixed that wacky shot of his. I can't even... This is where I, I wish I had like a live stream. I wish I had a camera in here. Because it I can't describe that shot. Like it, it was off to the side. It was it was a wacky shot. He fixed his mechanics. And he he can still distribute as well, by the way. But he fixed his mechanics. And he averaged 14.6 points per game this year for the New Orleans Pelicans. That is a career high by far. Shot 37.8% from three. And 41.4% from the field. He had a great year this year. As I said, a career high in points per game. Assist per game was down a little bit, but that's okay. But the shooting has improved tremendously. So it sounds like it's going to happen. We're going to get LeVar Ball. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We're going to get Lonzo. Yes, I did that on purpose. We're going to get Lonzo and LeVar in Chicago. I still cannot believe how far I've come around. On Lonzo Ball. Because man. I wanted absolutely nothing to do with him. When he came into the league. You got your point guard. At least it sounds like it. And you're getting a good one too. I think Lonzo is the point guard. The Bulls need. I think next year. Needs to be playoffs or bust. That should be the expectation with the moves you're making. I've got more to say, but I do have to tell you that you're listening to WLUW 88.7 FM Chicago Sound Alliance, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University Chicago. I'm actually coming to you from Dwight, Illinois. If you want to chime in on the conversation, slide in my Twitter DMs, shoot me a tweet, NickSchultz underscore 7. I wish I could take calls, but we're still working remote. No calls. So we're doing everything through Twitter. Now back to the Bulls. Arturis Karnaschovas went out and shocked everybody, I think it's safe to say, by trading for Nikola Vucevic, the trade deadline. Now he's going to get his point guard in Lonzo. You still got Zach Levine. Patrick Williams, hopefully, will take a big step forward this year. The play-in tournament is sticking around. 
I'm on record. I did a podcast with my buddy Joey Christopoulos at Bat on Chicago from Believes, the same network I'm on. And I'm going to say it again. The Chicago Bulls need to be the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference next year. Do not back into the playoffs. You're going to be the sixth seed. That's the bar. Anything less than that is a disappointment. If they're a seventh seed and play in the play-in tournament, okay. You didn't meet my expectations. But seventh seed is a seventh seed. I like the idea of the play-in tournament sticking around. But it just increases my expectations for the Bulls because they need to be sixth seed, not make the play-in tournament if they pull this off and get Lonzo. Now, let's talk draft. My prediction was half right about the Bulls. I thought they were going to trade up in the first round. I thought they were going to find a way to get into the first round of the draft. They did not. But they still drafted the guy I thought they'd get in Io DeSumo out of Illinois. I like Io. It's a cool story, too. Morgan Park High School, down to Champaign, back to Chicago. It's a great story. But that's not why you draft the guy. You draft the guy because he's a good player. I'm a big fan. I didn't think he was going to be there at 38. Arturis Karnaschovas did not think he was going to be there at 38. Io didn't think he was going to be there at 38. I really like the pick. I like the fit, too. He's a project. I'll admit that. He's a project. Not Patrick Williams level. But still, Io's going to be some work. He's not going to start right away. That should not be the expectation. He's a second-round pick. I do not expect him to start. I expect him to be back in the rotation. Maybe he can take Denzel Valentine's minutes away. And Daryl Horwitz, former host of the show, he chimes in on Twitter. I didn't like the IO pick. It wasn't an upside selection. And Cooper or Butler have better skill sets. Seemed like a pick to patronize local fans. Very disappointed. See, I watched a lot of Iota Sumu this year. Watched a lot of Illinois basketball. The fact that he improved his shooting from three, 10%, 29% to 39% in one year, this is what I like about him. He's coachable. He is coachable. And with this player development staff you have in there with Billy Donovan running the show. I think he's going to develop well. Now, he's not going to be Nikola Jokic, who Arturis found in the second round and became the MVP of the league this year. I don't think that needs to be the expectation. It's a second round pick. I think he's going to be a solid rotation guy. I think he could slide in at a combo guard spot. With Lonzo coming in, it sounds like, at point guard. I think Io could be kind of a combo guard. Second unit. 
but no, I, I disagree with you, Daryl. I think it, I think it was an upside selection because if he didn't improve his game so much over the last year, it'd be one thing. If he stayed the same as he did as a sophomore, it'd be one thing. He improved that much. He is coachable. And Artur Arturis said this too. He should come in with a chip on his shoulder because he fell down so far in the draft, and he's a Chicago guy. The last Chicago guy the Bulls drafted worked out pretty well, I'd say. It was a kid from Simeon High School named Derrick Rose. I love the pick. Now, would Sharif Cooper have been good at the point guard spot? Yes. He was available there, too. But I like Io's fit. I think his game is going to translate to the NBA. It's going to take some time. If your expectations are LaMelo Ball, got to temper those expectations. If you're thinking Patrick Williams, even, I don't even think that would be a reasonable expectation. I think I think Io is going to fit in in the rotation, second unit, Maybe back into the rotation to start. But either way, give him time. And the other thing I like about him, I said this at the time, he's a closer. He's got the clutch gene. And I know people don't believe in the clutch gene, but I do. Io has the confidence to close games. And I say again, don't expect that right away. He's got to go from being the guy at Illinois to back under the rotation second unit guy with the Bulls. But I love his game. I think he's going to translate well. We can play the game all day of Sharif Cooper or Butler or anyone else. But I like the pick a lot. Daryl also writes in going back to baseball. Like the Rizzo return, I like Pete Crow Armstrong and wanted the Cubs to take him last year. Thought the Cubs should have asked for either Berger or Jared Kelly from the Sox instead of Hoyer. More valuable with a starter or third baseman to replace Bryant. Bryant deal return disappointing, though talk about the pitcher was interesting. Kudos to Sox for going for it. I think Hoyer could have held out for more like the Sox did with Quintana. Madrigal needs to become a base stealer to make this a better deal. Obviously, like that he puts the ball in play. I mean, I agree with you the Bryant deal was disappointing, but thought the Cubs should have asked for either Berger or Jared Kelly from the Sox instead of Hoyer. You know, I don't mind Cody Hoyer. I think I think he's better than he gets credit for. I think he's better than his numbers show. I didn't mind it. And I love Madrigal's fit. I know he needs to become a base stealer. We'll see. I want to see how he comes back from the injury. I remember he tore his hamstring. But I like Nick Madrigal a lot. I've, I've been a fan of his. You, you can ask my dad. My, my dad's a big Sox fan. You can ask him. I love Nick Madrigal. He's what? Five foot nothing. But he hits for contact. And I like that. Maybe I'm old school. No, I am old school. 
it's not all about launch angle, exit velocity. I know that's where the game's going. That's the reality of it. I understand that. Like, I'm not going to disagree with that. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, the game's going in a bad direction. No. Do I have to like it's going in that direction? No. Is it maybe good for the game? Yeah. But if it's me, I like a guy who hits for contact. Growing up, I was always told home runs are rally killers. Nick Madrigal's game is good. He's a good fit. With him and Nico Horner, I think one of those guys is going to be your leadoff hitter. And once the DH comes into the National League, which is probably going to happen next year, whichever one's not leading off is going to be batting ninth. I love it. Again, could they have gotten more? Probably. But I, I like Cody Hoyer. I, I think he's better than his numbers. He's better than his numbers show. And I don't know. I I think he's all right. Uh, Daryl chimes in going back to basketball. Not one person who covers prospects thought he, he talked about Iota Sumu, has a significant talent to his game. He's a good kid, but he's not going to be a starter in the future, in my opinion. Don't forget the NBA is a step up, so it's going to be harder. I watched him, and I don't see anything more than a play-hard kid without any special talent. He's a second-round pick. If they'd have drafted him in the lottery, we're having a completely different discussion. He's a second-round pick. He's going to play in the NBA like a second-round pick. He was not a lottery pick. He was not even a first-rounder. Could I have seen him going in the first round? Yes. Is he the flashiest player on the board? Absolutely not. But I go back to it. He's coachable. That's what you want in a second round pick. He's coachable. He can shoot. He can pass. They're not the best numbers on the board by any stretch, but that's okay. You've got Billy Donovan as head coach, who's going to help him develop. You've got Maurice Cheeks, a Chicago guy, who has a track record of player development. He's going to be a big help. The player development staff is going to be huge. It's going to take some time. He's not going to be instant starter. But I I disagree that... He doesn't have a significant talent to his game. I disagree with that notion. I think he's another one who's better than he gets credit for. I get what you're saying. He's not going to be a starter in the. He's not going to be a starter in the future, in your opinion. I get that, Daryl. I do. He's not going to start right away. Maybe, maybe he will down the road. But I think he's going to be your your Lou Williams, or your Ben Gordon, your sixth man off the bench. Now, obviously, I'm not talking he's going to be the caliber of those guys. I don't want to set that bar, but I'm talking that spot in the rotation, this off the bench, coming in off the bench, 
There's nothing wrong with coming off the bench and making an impact. I cannot believe I'm using this quote twice in a week, and any Loyola fans listening are going to laugh that I'm using this quote. I covered Porter Moser for four or five years. Every time I asked him about someone starting, he used the same quote from Rick Majerus, startings for high school. Again, I cannot believe I just quoted Rick Majerus. Again, that's twice now in a week I've used that quote. But it works in this context. You don't have to start to make an impact. I see Iodasuma being a Lou Williams type player. Six man, coming off the bench, gritty, can put up decent numbers when you need. He can provide you a lift off the bench. He doesn't have to start. He's a second round pick. Nikola Jokic is a once in a lifetime pick in the second round. Isaiah Thomas, not the bad boy Isaiah Thomas. I'm talking his kid. He was Mr. Irrelevant. He was solid for the Celtics before he got hurt and the Celtics gave a raw deal. And I don't know. Is he even in the league anymore? Daryl, again, a bullpen pitcher is not as valuable unless he becomes a good closer. Io wasn't a first-rounder because Deems didn't think he was that good. Butler dropped because of the health scare and Cooper because of his outside shooting. They said if he develops his shot, he will be really good. I just don't see it from Io. I wish we could talk. Oh, trust me, Daryl. I really wish I could have you on the phone right now because this would be an awesome discussion. This would be a great conversation. Yeah, teams didn't think he was that good. I get that. That's the nature of the draft. I think his shot will develop. He didn't go... 29% to 39% in one year. I I don't think I'd be saying what I'm saying. He's improved his shooting before. He can do it again. Coachable players are valuable. So I'm watching the West Wing for the fifth time, I think, and I keep dropping West Wing references on this show. I think it's going to be like my running gag, try to fit in a West Wing reference. And the vice president is talking to Will Bailey, and he asks the question, you got two guys on a baseball team. They run to first at the same speed. The one has great form, the other lousy. Which one you taking? You're taking the guy with the lousy form, And you're going to coach him, and he'll be faster than the other guy. I'm not saying Ayodesumu has lousy form. Now, I know some people are. But if you coach him, he can be really good. And he's proven that he buys in. So maybe he could be the scoring machine that Lou Williams is because he said again Daryl chime back in Lou Williams is a scoring machine Io doesn't have that ability maybe he can down the road he is the definition of a wild card pick I see a ton of upside maybe I've got rose colored glasses on 
But that's what I see. And my absolutely non-expert opinion. He was on my ballot for National Player of the Year this year for a reason. I love it. Not only because it's a great story, because how can you not love the story? But I think he's going to be a good player down the road. That's the key. Down the road. I got 10 minutes left. I do want to talk some bears because training camp is here. Our savior, Justin Fields, is about to play in an NFL game. There is hope. Whenever anyone asks me about the Cubs anymore, my response is just go Bears. That's all I say. Last night we went out for my birthday and everyone's like, hey, sorry about the Cubs. I'm like, go Bears. Someone asked me, what'd you think about Rizzo? Go Bears. When do you think the Cubs are going to be competitive again? Go Bears. You may, I may as well... Make the Mike Ditka, when he, what was that, his number retirement, when he goes, thank you, thank you, and go Bears. I may as well make that my ringtone for how often I'm going to say that. I haven't been this excited for a football season since the year after the double doink, which I, ugh, I still cringe saying that. I'm going to watch preseason football. I never watch preseason football. Training camp is here. Eddie Goldman reported. Justin Fields looks good. I'm excited. Because next month we get regular season football. The first preseason game is coming up August 14th. August 21st, I believe. I don't have the schedule in front of me. I believe that second game is Fields versus Trubisky. Because it's the backups play in the preseason. Here's something interesting. Carson Wentz is out indefinitely with an injury. Do the Colts know that the Bears have a quarterback they can trade? No one's talking about Nick Foles. And that's for a good reason, by the way. No one's talking about Nick Foles. He, huh, I got it. He's Ringo. He's, he's the third guy. Well, I know the Beatles had four, but hear me out. He's the other guy. I'm trying to think of a better analogy. But either way, you didn't start hearing about Nick Foles until there was trade talk. You don't hear anything about how he in the room and in training camp, whatever. Now, they're like, hey, Bears got a quarterback the Colts can, tra- the Colts can trade for. Now people are talking about him. I'm still I'm trying to think of a better analogy. But you you get my point. 
Maybe the Bears can trade him and get something for him in that horrendous contract of his. Justin Fields is your backup, and he's probably going to be your starter by mid-year. You don't need Nick Foles in that quarterback room. Going back to basketball, Daryl chimes in. Do you think the Bulls drafted him because he was a local kid? And would you like him as much if he wasn't from Chicago and played for Illinois? Probably not because I watched a lot of Illinois this year. If he went to a school I don't watch a lot, like I don't say. What schools don't I watch? If he went to UCLA and I didn't see any of him until the NCAA tournament, I wouldn't like him as much. If he went to Texas, I wouldn't like him as much because I wouldn't see him play as much. I watched a lot of Illinois basketball this year, Daryl. A lot. And I watched my Ramblers beat the Illini in the NCAA tournament. I just like bringing that up for the sake of bringing it up. Yeah, I watched Io have a bad game against Loyola, and I'm still high on the kid. And yes, I'll admit, I'm partial to local guys. Chicago guys have a different mentality. You saw it with Derek. You see it with Patrick Beverly. You see it with Anthony Davis. So, yeah, would I like him as much if he wasn't from Chicago and played for Illinois? Probably not. But I'm a big fan because I've seen him play a lot. That's, that's what I watch. Yeah, Chicago guys, and you've heard people talk about it. There is a Chicago toughness. There's a reason Anthony Davis calls it the Mecca of basketball. Now, I know for every Derrick Rose, there's a Jabari Parker. I get that. But I think Io has a high upside. And I think with the proper coaching, which he's going to get, and everything I'm saying here, everything I'm saying has to do with the coaching. If Jim Boylan was still the coach of this team, I would not be saying what I'm saying. Because Jim Boylan was not a good coach. And I'm being nice. Billy Donovan, Maurice Cheeks, Arturis Karnaschovas, Mark Eversley, they've got this team in a good spot to take a guy like Io DeSumo. I love it. And I know people disagree. I think I'm, I might be one of the only ones that loves it. But either way, I called it. I'm going to scream that from the mountaintops. I called it. I wish I'd have pulled the sound. Or at least uploaded it to the server so I can play it. That I called it. Now, my prediction about trading up didn't happen. But I called who they were going to pick. And I'm proud of it. And I'm not going to shut up about it.
there is so much going on in Chicago. Remember how slow it was, what, a month ago when it seemed like there was nothing going on? There is a lot happening. We, I am on obsessive Lonzo Ball watch now. Like, I am fully prepared to be up at the lake this week and do an emergency podcast about Lonzo signing with the Bulls. I am fully prepared for it. I wasn't going to bring my microphone or anything like that. I was going to kind of unplug. Uh Uh-uh. I'm bringing my microphone now. I'm going to find a place to record. It's going to be great. And also this week, I'm going to be doing a lot of writing too. So in case you missed my announcement on Twitter and Facebook, I got a new gig. I'll be covering Big Ten football this year for SaturdayTradition.com. I'll be focusing on Illinois, Northwestern, Rutgers, maybe a little Maryland, basically whatever they tell me to do. I'm really excited about this. I get to keep doing the show because this is just another thing on the plate. This is not, I mean, I'm going to be living at home. It's going to be, it's a good fit. I love it. It's a good good way to get started. But yeah, I'll be covering Big Ten football this year. I couldn't be more excited. Uh, Thanks to Chris Wright for the opportunity. I get to work with the same company as my dad, too, which is cool. My dad covers Michigan for him. So that's cool. My dad and I are going to be writing for the same company now. Same website. And I'm excited to get started. I'm going to be doing that this week, too. It's going to be nice to get out of this little town for a while, too. I haven't really gone anywhere lately. You know, I work three days a week at the bar and hang out with my friends. But we all hang out around here. It's going to be nice to get away. And yeah, emergency podcast hopefully coming because I'm about to jump out of my skin. So we got a lot going on here as well. You know, as excited as I am for the Bears coming up, we just skip to college football and college basketball because I'm tired of watching the Cubs. I am so apathetic about baseball right now. Now, I'll watch Sox games because the Sox are entertaining to watch, and Jason Benetti and Steve Stone are incredible. I even, I've even i listened to Len Casper on the radio, which is still weird. It's weird as hell. But listening to Len Casper call games too, the Sox are an exciting team to watch. Now, I know there's the meme going around about the bandwagon fan transfer rule form. Don't worry, my sister, who's a Sox fan, sent that to me, too. And I will never convert to a White Sox fan. It's just not going to happen. I won't root against them, necessarily. Unless they're playing the Cubs. But I'll never be a White Sox fan. But they're entertaining to watch. So I'll, I'll watch the White Sox. I'm not watching the Cubs anymore. Not this year. Maybe I'll catch a game here or there, but not anymore. Fast forward to the time of year where we have football and college basketball. I'm talking college football and NFL and college basketball going at the same time. Because that's going to be a real fun time of year. Because as we enter August, I'm starting to make plans to build up my blog again. 
do some college basketball coverage. Hopefully I can do more with that. I kept it kind of dormant this offseason. But I'm hopefully going to bring that back, do more coverage on here. And obviously I'll have my Saturday tradition coverage as well. It's going to be fun, and I hope you join me for the ride. I'm out of time. Thank you, everybody, for listening once again. And thank you for the birthday wishes yesterday as well. 23 feels great. Although Blink-182 doesn't like me because I'm 23. But I'm going to get out of here. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, get the vaccine when you can. I will talk to you back here hopefully next week on the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM. Have a great week, everybody.